This episode of The Horror Basement is brought to you by Mass Destruction Clothing. Go check them out at MassDestructionClothing.com. Hi, I'm Bill Mosley, and you're in The Horror Basement with Jim Jam and Johnny Leroy. <laughs> Lick my plate, you dog dick. Welcome to the Horror Basement, the Tennessee Horror News Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Johnny Leroy. And as always, we've got Jim Jam here with us. Jim Jam and I'm here. Oh, called her out. Also, got Yeti on this podcast today. And amazing interview for you guys with uh, Cameron Romero. Uh, he talks about Rise of the Living Dead and, you know, in the production or trying to get it going and and all this other stuff. He's a really cool dude. And now he's a Kentuckian. Yeah, he, well, I don't know. But he's in Kentucky. Yeah. Or did, oh, yeah, he says that, so it don't matter. We might be in a movie. Possibly. No. Anyways, you'll hear all this. But don't forget to go follow us on all social media. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Horamino. And check out TNHorror.com for all your independent horror needs. Tell all your friends. Because we serve up horror like all over the style like grabbing biscuits, baby. <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is a good one for you. Johnny's got to crush my dreams. I want to be in a movie and he's trying to crush my dreams. I want you to be in a movie. Fucking asshole. And I'm not going to dress up as a fucking baby either. You're going to get in this horror movie as a fucking baby. No, I'm not. You'd be the perfect. You'd be just wearing this bib and you got the cloth diaper on and you got the little, little what is okay, that thing I, called? I will. A bonnet. A bonnet. So you even know what it's called. And you got this massive like fucking pacifier and you got blood just running down your face. What, what am I, a fucking zombie baby? No, man. And you got this bat. And you just fucking beating the shit out of people. That'd be a good fucking background. That'd be a good background well, person. You know, like, in me, a fucking horror film, would it let not? Let me work out a little bit more and I'll be a jacked up baby. Look like a damn baby on no, steroids. No, that's not, that's not as cute. Jacked up baby, not as cute. Chubby <laughs> baby cute. You know I was wanting to say. Chubby baby cute. See, that's what I'm thinking. Like, anyways, you, you don't want to go down this road with me. You know where this goes. This is a long fucking intro. <laughs> well, you, you started it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm talking about, um, where's the book? It's Isaac. called Road Kills by Isaac Thorne. You should check it out. We'll yeah. put the link in the description for Amazon. To, if it's yeah, on go there. check this book Hopefully out. Hopefully it's on Amazon. It is on Amazon. Okay. But I will put the link so you can buy it, and you should buy 10 copies for all your friends and family. Yeah, it's a, it's a good book. It's all about horror short, and it's all about road kills. Because like, Isaac is kills a motherfucking them. man. Yeah, he's a really great dude. And he re- recently wrote Hit him up on Twitter, Isaac Thorne. He recently wrote a review for us, and I'll put that link in the description too so you can check it out because the motherfucker is an amazing writer. Yeah, great. All, well, well, you know, everybody we get is an amazing writer because they're fucking with Tennessee Hornets. So, yeah. I'm sitting back too far and you can't hear me. No, that's how it usually goes with you. See, now Johnny's being an asshole since no one else is on. Yeah, that's how it was. But, um, yeah. And away we go. All right, guys. So on today's podcast, 
we have Cameron Romero with us. Uh, it's going to be making the new movie Rise of the Living Dead or production, right? Believe so. Is that is that correct, Cameron? Yes, sir. Yeah, the and you know the prequel to oh, Night man. of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Blank, but uh, Cameron, we appreciate you coming on, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me. That that prequel word gets thrown around an awful lot. Um, uh, I, I think the word I'm I'm using is more of a prologue. Prologue, um, okay. It's uh, it's it's. I just use that a little bit more conversationally. Prequel sets a lot of expectations and and yeah, you know, assumes that uh, it makes a lot of assumptions. You know, this is a story that I wrote from uh, from my heart to my to my father. I wrote it back in 2010 and and showed it to him and finally got up the balls to show it to him around 2011, I think, maybe 2012. And uh, he fired me back an email and really loved a lot of the stuff that I did with it. So, you know, it's, it's turned out to be a pretty hard project to get off the ground, but, you know, it's getting there. And uh, when I made the announcement about the new title, it seemed to, to get a lot of attention, you know, both good and bad out there in the in the world of the internet and uh you know i'm just real happy that that people care enough about it to to have an opinion either way yeah speaking of your father you know we we hated to hear about his passing you know he he was a, an amazing <laughs> i guess you a creator so i mean he did yeah. create a whole genre and and that's how yeah, every, he did and that's how everybody's seen him but how was it that you seen your dad if i can ask how did i see him yeah. well you know it's funny i actually have been working on uh i'm writing something about just that very subject and so uh that's kind of a heavy question to to lead off with but i'm i'm down to jump into it and just kind of wing it <laughs> um you know i i saw him the same way every fan of his ever saw him and i saw him the way every upcoming filmmaker want you know saw him and and i saw him as as my dad too you know and and uh i saw him as a pretty great person who who was capable of doing things that that I'll never be able to do. And, and, and a lot of people will never be able to do. And, and, you know, some of that comes from the time period in which he did it. And some of it comes from the fact that, you know, he had no fear, you know, I mean, film, uh, films used to be dangerous. I say that all the time. And, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, when night of living dead came out, there were people that condemned him, said people like him have to be stopped that independent artists can't be given the freedom to do the kind of things that he was doing. And, 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 you know, in my opinion, that made what he was doing back then dangerous, you know, uh, his commentary and, and everything he had to say about society and, and the, the parallels that he drew with everything that he did. And, and you know, I mean, he, he did it fearlessly. And, and that's, you know, my other little saying is the film is fearless. And, and those are things that I've tried to live my life by um, in everything I've done. I think that's the biggest thing I've ever taken away from from being able to, to look up to him. Yeah, it's definitely a, a a great person to have to look up to. Yeah. Hey, Eddie, uh, you want to ask something? I know you got some questions. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, like, and I I tried my hardest to stay away from this, honestly. Uh, a lot of people, you know, like, oh, this son of George, George Romero and stuff like that. But what a lot of people may not realize is, like, you're a prolific-ass director. Like, um, films and hundreds of commercials right yeah yeah between directing commercials and directing film what what's the how does it compare working on something like a commercial to working on a, a full film or a short film 
Uh, well, look, man, that's a, a pretty easy question to answer. Uh, the biggest comparison is just, you know, the time and, uh, and, and as much of your own heart and soul as you pour into it. You know, I mean, <laughs> when you make a movie, you know, from the time you actually start shooting till the time it's finished, you're lucky if you've, if you put in, you know, less than a year of your life into it, when you make a commercial, uh, and even that's changed a little bit, but back when I started doing it, um, there was still a lot of, of, of creative filmmaking involved in it. Uh, and it was less driven by, you know, legal teams and all of that other stuff. But, uh, you know, the big difference is, is just time mainly. Um, you know, I think as a, as a filmmaker, as a director, I think, you know, no matter what you're shooting, you show up and you put all you, all you have into it. Um, but the big difference is, is just time. I mean, you know, you can show up to do a commercial and shoot it out in two days and, and, and finish post and, a couple weeks and and you're done and you're moved on to the next one or you could you know literally show up and shoot a commercial for two days show up shoot another commercial for two days show up shoot another commercial for two days have them all in post and bounce from edit bay to edit bay and so you get them all done but when you work on a movie especially when you write um you know you've got however long it takes for you to get the idea out into a script that becomes a you know, a con, you know, a, a commercially viable concept, something good enough for somebody to believe in, to put money into. And, and then, you know, that could take a year or in the case of rise, it's taken me so far. I'm going into year eight trying to get it, you know, done, which is not something I'm proud of, but it's also something I'm extremely proud of because, you know, I mean, you have to be careful. I've walked away from a lot of offers on this film because of, of disagreeing with, you know, motivations of some of the people who are interested in helping me get it off the ground. Um, and so you kind of have to stay true to, to what you want and what you believe in when it comes to your film and, and do it the way that's going to let you sleep at night. And, and, you know, so that could take years. And then once you start shooting, then you've got, you know, your, your prep, your shooting, and then your post, and it's all another, you know, year or more of your life to get it done. So those are the huge differences, man. You know, commercials are a lot of fun. Um, I, I love doing them. Um, but there's something about doing a film that's just, it's, it's more of a calling, you know, that you kind of just have to answer. Otherwise it doesn't stop calling. <laughs> oh, so it's like a, you got something inside you that just pushes you over and over. Yeah. Cause that's what I was yeah. wondering. Like, where's the, for you, where does the creativity come from, you know, to, to want to write? I mean, like you did commercials and you, you were successful at it from you know what you pick up what i picked up off reading about you on the internet and then you decide to go into film you know full-length movies so i mean what was the motivation for you like is that what you always wanted to do well yeah i made i actually directed my first feature when i was uh 19 um and thankfully, it will never see the light of day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, need to see that then. Now I need to. Now can we see? Can we get a screener? <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I directed my first feature when I was 19 years old. Um, oh man! There was just something about it, you know. I, I was in film school at the time, and I raised some money and 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 shot a feature, and and it was a hell of a learning experience. And did you, you know, act in it? No, hell no. <laughs> I just had uh, to ask. I had to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom bought me my first camera actually when I was about 
eight years old and, and oh, hell yeah, I've that's been cool. shooting, I've been shooting ever since then, you know? And, and, uh, so anyway, so I made this feature when I was about 19 and, and then, you know, I had this big artistic catharsis and I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, then I need to, to really commit to doing this, which means I need to understand a whole lot more than just running around wanting to be an artist with a camera. Um, you know, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, expressions my dad used to have when i was younger when he and i would talk would be you know well you just don't know anything about the business yet yeah and uh you just don't know anything about the business yet you don't know anything about the business yet and and at first it kind of pissed me off a little bit and i was like well i'm i'm trying i'm learning and so i decided to stop having that argument and go out and actually learn the business and that's when i kind of um got really heavy into the the business side of of things and and I started up a small branding agency, advertising and branding agency in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> and uh, that kind of turned into a life of doing commercials and learning sort of the commercial appeal and, and how to, to think in, in sound bites. And then what I did was I realized that that was translating over into how I was coming up with ideas to make movies and ideas that I was having for movies. And I was starting to come at my concepts from a very commercial mindset while trying to figure out how to stay true to the artistic filmmaker. So, you know, in, in a lot of the stuff that I've been developing recently, uh, they were all born out of what I believe to be needs in the market, uh, for independent films. Um, and then, uh, you know, they're kind of born from that nugget. And then I just, I, I have to stay true to, to the part of me that, that won't let me sell out my creative integrity. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of my approach. Yeah. That... I, you know, I try to come up with something I think I would like to watch. Yeah. That's not a giant pile of dog, you know, hundred million dollar movie. Like a, and, lot of, uh, like a lot of the new movies out today. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. They've got their place. I, you know, I, I enjoy them as much as the next movie goer, but you know, when it comes to stuff I do, uh, I've been too heavily influenced by my dad and the people that he came up with and, and too heavily influenced by the people who've done this outside the, the norm. And, uh, I just don't look at my creative process the same way I think as a lot of people, but I don't know, maybe I do. As far as I know, everybody who's creative is, is fucked up in some way. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I couldn't be, couldn't be happier about that because it, it gives me my own unique perspective. Yeah. As long as you're staying true to yourself, though, it'll show in your work. That's it. I mean, that's it. Hey, what is uh, your favorite genre or whatever to make, direct, or whatever? Is because <clears throat> I know horror is its own. You know, it's it's got, but it branches off to so many different things. <clears throat> yeah. Well, look, man, I love making a horror movie as much as the next guy. There's something to be said about throwing five gallon buckets of blood on people. And, and, you know, getting together with your friends and coming up with different ways to to try to shock an audience. Absolutely, I love that stuff. It's absolutely the most fun you'll ever have making a movie is making a horror movie. Um, but personally, I think my favorite thing to, to play around with when I write um, and when I develop new projects is is things that are a little more psychological. Um, I, yeah, definitely. I, I like to do things that, I like to explore things that have built in fears. So, you know, in other words, I like to take something that I know there's a massive fear out there in the world of, 
and then try to play around within the rules of that fear so that I can affect an audience on, on more than one level. You know, I like to try to, to affect them, um, you know, deeply in something that might be a deep rooted fear of theirs, like claustrophobia or drowning and, uh, and then play within that and, and give them something to really think about inside that fear. Uh, a lot of the projects I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting off the ground here, um, are sort of in that realm. Uh, and then rise is its own completely unique animal, um, that I don't even know that I can classify it in one particular genre. Um, but most of the stuff I'm, I'm working on is, is definitely in the psychological type thriller arena. Okay. My wife is sitting here. She's, and she, <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. What are you doing that for? No, I, I guess she's shy, I, yeah. but, uh, she was asking, uh, do you fashion uh, your zombies after your father's type of zombies? Well, that's actually a really hard question for me to answer right now uh, in a public forum. Yeah, and the okay. reason for yeah. that is because Rise actually takes place prior to yeah um, prior to my dad's work, um, and you know I, I can tell you that I'm very proud of it. Um, it is something that that pays attention to all of not only the rules that my father set forth. Uh, but the rules that he and his partners set forth uh, with the original night, uh, the rules that have become canon in the whole genre. Uh, and it pays attention to, I think, what all of the fans uh, of him and his work have, have wanted to see one way or another. So, um, you know, without really getting into too much detail about the creatures themselves, yeah, um, I, I can tell you that, I think everybody will really enjoy what we're doing with this one. Oh yeah. It's 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 really it's actually really something special. All right, well, um, every, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. Um No, that's it. Um are you in like I guess it's still in pre production, right? Or have you started filming anything yet? No, we haven't started filming yet. Um those announcements those announcements will be coming out very soon. Um, I'm kind of like a kid, you know, in a candy store right now. I'm chomping at the bit to push these announcements out. Yeah. But you know, as we as we kind of push through to finalize agreements and all of this other stuff, I'm I'm just kind of like waiting and biding my time. Which was, you know, I was hoping I was going to be able to drop some some awesome announcements here with you guys uh, tonight, but things didn't kind of push through as quickly as I wanted them to by yesterday. So um, I've got some more things coming up this week, and hopefully some big announcements coming. Um, yeah right around the holiday you can still leak that to us and then you know like when it does when it's official we, you can still let us tell us and we'll still announce it for you yeah sounds great man <laughs> I, uh, yeah, i'll definitely write it up yeah there. see there you go yeti he, he'd be he'd be more than happy to write up do a write up about it yeah. <laughs> that'd be great it's real nice to meet you guys and know yeah. you guys man you, you know i think you guys are awesome appreciate, I appreciate it. it um Oh, hey, uh, anyway, you can do some filming in Tennessee, so we maybe can make a cameo in there. <laughs> I actually was, uh, you know what, there was a time not long ago I was looking at Tennessee. Um, but, you know, I'm, I've, I've actually recently set up a, a, a Kentucky division of, of my production Kentucky? company. Kentucky, come on, and, man. Uh, that ain't no, that far kidding. from I'm us. Just <laughs> yeah, it ain't that far, man. It's yeah. just, a, just a quick little drive. Yeah, I mean, one of y'all is in Knoxville, right? I mean, that's like, yeah, that's a couple hours away. Yeah. Worth it. Yeah. yeah, it's worth it. I could come photo bomb a zombie or whatever your creatures will be. Yeah. I could come, <laughs> I could come football tackle one. 
I'm a pretty big dude. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we get it off the ground, you guys come up and, and, and do a little something. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Right on. That'd be great. <laughs> I, I was truly joking, but hell yeah, I will take you up on that offer. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I truthfully, I just want to see what it's like on a movie set. I've never yeah, been told. I say it has it's, to be. It's, un- it's the most. It's the most beautifully hostile environment in the world. <laughs> I don't want to be a. I don't want to be like the director or never of one of that. I just want to see what you would have to go through. Like I'm glad I'm not doing this job. No, it's fun as hell, man. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, a good friend of mine produced a couple of really big movies, and um, I'm not a name dropper, so I won't do that. But um, he, he produced some really big movies, and he's kind of a producing hero of mine. And and I got to become friends with him and. I remember one day he looked at me. We were, we were standing literally on ocean, uh, an ocean out there in Santa Monica, and he looked at me and he said, "You know what? No matter what anybody tells you, no matter what anybody says about what you've done, you have made some movies, you have directed, you have breathed rarefied air," and uh, and that kind of stuck with me. You know, I mean, I never really thought about it like that, but you know, I think of any job I could have ever dreamt of having, I think this is probably the best one in the world, and. And, and, you know, it, it really is. It's, um, it's, it's a whole different perspective. It changes your perspective on life. It changes your perspective on everything that you do. When, after you've directed a film, you don't look at rooms the same way. You don't, look at, mm. you don't look at parties the same way. You don't look at anything the same way. You don't look at going to the store the same way. You, you shoot everything in your head and nonstop. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, that's kind of afflicted me my whole life since I was a little kid. And I never understood it till I directed my first feature. And, and then I just, I, I understood it even more as my career went on. And, and it's just, it's a, it's a really unique perspective on the world around you. Um, when you, when you've, when you've gotten, when you've been lucky enough to be able to direct a movie and, um, it just changes the way you look at everything, man. And it's, it's beautiful. You know, it really is. So you're in California, right? No, I'm in Kentucky right now, man. I've been here about a year. Okay, well, you, your Damn. number popped up, California numbers, why I said that. Well, I still my company still operates out of Santa Monica and uh, also here in Kentucky near Lexington. Well, hell um, yeah, man. We might have to come Did you grow up in California? I didn't. Well, again, I mean, is that too much of a personal to question? Or? I, was, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, I tell I everybody thinking. I got older in Pittsburgh, but I grew up in L.A. Oh, okay. um, you know, so because <laughs> you grow up pretty quick out there. I but, say, uh, I, I say it's pretty crazy out there, right? Uh, you always yeah, it's, yeah. And I and I spent about the last fifteen years straight out there, and until oh. I uh, I went on tour with, uh, with a good buddy of mine, uh, who's a country singer, and across the country with him about oh geez, year and a half to almost two years ago now, and um, we had forty six states in I think sixteen weeks or something, wow. shooting a little documentary about his experiences, and good God. and uh, and man, Kentucky just was amazing and and you know it doesn't hurt that that i met you know somebody really amazing here oh yeah there uh, you go yeah yeah and um you know life is beautiful man life is great they got and, good and, bourbon in kentucky too so. <laughs> well i just read today they got more barrels of bourbon here yeah. than people in the whole state yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, i'm a bourbon man myself I, I i prefer bourbon over i don't even i don't care for the tennessee whiskey much I, I prefer, I prefer bourbon over people. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer sweet tea. <laughs> You're just a good old southern boy. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm allergic <coughs> to alcohol, so. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, how do I live my life, right, Eddie? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I get high on life, so and then Tennessee Horror News helps too, because this is I mean, my well, wife could test this. Uh, I've done other things in the past, and it seems like this has took off a lot more than anything I've ever done. Well, that's awesome. More. But and two, that's awesome. that's, you know, like Johnny says all the time, we found that people in the horror genre are just amazing you know, they people. Play, they they play like psychotic killers and whatever on film, but they're the most the nicest people you'll ever meet. I know that's real, man. That's the truth. So, that man. is the absolute truth. Down to earth people. They're wanting to get yeah. back to the com- fan base, the community. I guess the horror community. It's because we do it because we have to. We do it because we, you know we don't do it for. We don't do it because of a paycheck. We don't do it to get famous. We don't do it to get rich. We do it because we don't have any other fucking choice. Yeah. You know, it's got to get out. It's got to. It's got to get out of your heart, and, uh, and it's got to get out of your head, and it's got to get out in the world. And and you know, that's why horror people make horror because we love it. Um. Yeah, that's truthfully, uh, yeah, I see that all the time. But one thing I was going to point out, and I don't know, the end of February, we're doing a convention in Chattanooga, and it would be awesome if you would want to come out and just hang out with us and shit. Yeah, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. I love Chattanooga. Yeah, it's called Connooga. It's like a multi-fandom thing. But we got a big presence in the horror track of it, so. they're Well, this year they're doing a panel. Yeah, we're doing a horror, a horror show. No. Oh, go ahead. They're doing a panel about his on his dad. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. <laughs> George Dimmick, right? George Dimmick. Yeah, George Dimmick. Anyway. Yeah, hit me up when it. Yeah, hit me up when it gets time. Yeah, they're uh, going to do a panel talking about your, you know, your, your dad. I guess his life. Or... Yeah, like you know stories about him and everything. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around now. Yeah. Um, but I was mainly because we're doing a horror short panel. Yeah. Where. We're going to have, right now we're trying to get people to submit short films to send in their horror shorts and we're just going to play them and then have interviews with the directors or writers or whatever after. And then we're also going to be screening three movies. Is it three? Two or three, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, and I just figured, you know, it, you're not, I guess Kentucky ain't too far from Chattanooga, but. but yeah, no, no, yeah. it's not. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, man, you know, and I love what you're doing with the with the, the shorts and the directors. You know, I do a lot of work with young filmmakers and uh and I mentor a handful of young guys and Hell yeah. and um and, awesome. you know, and it's it's really, really rewarding, you know. I love doing what I can to help, you know. I mean, over my life I've learned a whole hell of a lot about this business, how it works, how to get how to get ideas out of your head, how to turn them into commercially viable ideas, what to do. I actually just launched for the first time. Uh, I just launched a thing on on Patreon to to kind of offer that to people who may be interested, um, which I've never really done before. I don't really know how that's going to work out, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I have a handful of guys that I work with on a one on one basis, and, and you know, I work with them from everything from screenwriting to the directing to, you know, just kind of understanding the, the nature of the industry and, um, you know, work with them to teach them how to pitch and, and how to develop and, and, and how to go after investors. And, um, it's really awesome, man. It's, it's really rewarding. And I, I love it. I love getting a phone call from one of my guys saying, you know, Hey, look, thank you so much. I just, you know, raised 15 grand to make my short film and, 
15. You know, and, and to them, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's their first time they're going to climb, climb Mount Everest, you know? And, uh, you know, little do they know that once they do it the first time, then the rest of their life is going to be spent trying to climb a bigger Everest, um, I do. you know, but, uh, but it's really rewarding and it's, it's amazing. 15 grand for a it. short film. Ooh. I need to, I need to raise 15 grand to help support Tennessee Horror News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, Damn, 15 grand. Hey, speaking of that, uh, I think Yeti, don't you have a question that goes along with that or something? Yeah, actually, I've got I've only I've got a few more actually, but uh, the one that's pertinent right now is uh, your direct to audience program. Is that something you're still doing? Uh, you know what? That was something that I was testing the waters with. That's something I'm going to come out with again pretty hard, um, probably at the end of next year. That was kind of a test market thing. Um, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I've done is I I'm, I'm working on launching that in connection with a not for profit that I'm launching for veterans. Um, called the Veterans Compound that is uh, designed to basically, you know, I tried to join the Marines several times when I was young, and, and they found my, my asthma and my flat feet every time I tried, and uh, they wouldn't take me. And um, so I, I've, I've dedicated a lot of my life to, to trying to work with vets and help where I can and help them kind of process a lot of their trauma. And so uh, I've, I've come up with this, this organization called the Veterans Compound that essentially, you know, Right now, we don't have any funding, so it's just a few guys that I, I can personally work with and, you know, as much time as I can dedicate to them. And, and I, I essentially teach them how to tra- channel sort of their trauma into creative outlets with regard to film um, and television. You know, uh, I teach them how to write a screenplay and, and, and how to, you know, grip and, and rig and, and, and light and shoot and, and all of that other stuff. And, so the crowd control thing is going to come hand in hand with that pretty hard uh, because the idea behind it is that, um, you know, I want to I want to eventually get to a point where we're making movies that are completely made, written, conceived uh, um, and executed by vets uh, in which they actually then own a large portion of their, their own films so that uh, so that when the films get sold, they actually have sort of a longer term, um, you know, financial plan to put some money in their pocket and film sell and uh and that's something that i really think that that people are going to get behind uh in terms of you know wanting to put some put some 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 effort into to helping you know and so basically the concept behind it is you know and they're micro investments and the idea being that you know put a hundred dollars into a movie and you help a vet and you, you get something out of it so in other words if you put a hundred dollars into a movie and it translates to you know um, 0.25 percent ownership ownership of the film, then your 0.25 ownership will get split 50 50 with you and a vet. I oh, think. Oh yeah. It's it's uh, it's a- you know it's it's still in the kind of the planning phases, but um, you know I've been doing a lot of work individually with a lot of these guys and who who who've become dear friends of mine, and and it, it is something that will that will take off. Um, but with everything going on right now with Rise and, and a lot of other things, I, I'm kind of probably not going to be re, re, revisiting that super hard until the end of next year. I'm probably going to 2019 with a big launch. I, uh, it's a killer, killer plan, man, and it's something yeah. that we need. And like as a, as a society, as, as a whole, you know, like we're not taking care of our vets, so it's good to see somebody who's stepping up and being like, "Okay, I have this plan." 
I come from a family of veterans, and that's that's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can't we can't do what we can't do. You know, I'm not in a position where I can go donate buildings and do all of this other stuff. And a lot of people aren't, but there are a lot of people out there who really do care and want to do what they can. And so that's the whole point of that effort. You know, anybody who can will be able to do whatever they can and see direct results, you know? So, thanks, man. Yeah, that's awesome. I have one more that's uh, completely off topic. But um, turns out I rewatched Staunton Hill the other night because I had seen it before, apparently, and forgot. So <laughs> I watched <Okay. laughs> Staunton Hill the other night, and, and I, I watched it again, apparently, because uh, I was doing research, and I saw a little tidbit it said that there was a shot, a scene from that movie, and was like a, a two-minute uninterrupted shot of a beheading Yep. that made somebody barf on set. Yep. I want to know, A, <laughs> what it was like to shoot that, and B, <clears throat> is that is that like completely lost, or like, because I want to see that. <laughs> no, I got it, man. I got it. I got a copy of it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and what it was like to shoot it, I can tell you that... Pretty much when I yelled cut, I think that was the first time a lot of people in my life might have thought of me as some sort of psychotic. <laughs> um, I, uh, <laughs> I yelled cut, and, and one, of the, one of the guys on the crew was, was throwing up into a bucket. and Somebody took a picture of me, and I had this smile on my face yeah. that was ear to ear, man. And, uh, I mean, I was just laughing my ass off. Because, um, I mean, you got to realize it was like probably 30 degrees outside. So a lot of the a lot of the gags were not working in the cold weather, you know. I mean, the armature on the neck wasn't snapping, and the blood wasn't pumping the way it was supposed to. And you know, thankfully, the actor had a lot of experience uh, from the world of wrestling, so he was really good at selling all of these visual gags. And uh, <laughs> and we only had enough money to make the one effect. And, uh, and so I pulled him aside beforehand and I, I knew about all these problems and I said, look, man, you know, I, I can't guarantee this is going to go real smooth, but we only got one shot at this. So, you know, literally just don't stop until you hear me yell cut, just go with it and do whatever you got to do. And, uh, so he did. And he ends up sawing this, this dummy's head off. It must've lasted uh, two minutes, something like that. Yeah. Maybe God. a little more. <laughs> and the effects this, guys please? are. There's, there's, you know, the effects guys are pumping the blood and they're running out of blood, and the effects guys are bringing the new buckets and trying to get it so that the flow doesn't stop. And uh, it was just a, it was a mess. And uh... <laughs> I can see why you'd be grinning ear to ear because it's like, oh man, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, and we got it. Yeah, and we got it. And I was just so happy about it. And and then uh, the MPAA and a bunch of other people made me cut it down and. Fuck them. So it came out to be like, you know, a few seconds. So would it have been an NC-17 movie if that would have been in it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it would have been. And it was great because at the end then, you know, the, the head wasn't, the armature wasn't breaking. So he kind of had to like twist it and finish sawing and kind of snap the neck. And uh, it was just unbelievable. And then when me and the sound guy, Jerry, we started working on the sound design for the scene. And uh, we had to keep the door closed. People kept coming by saying, can you just turn that down? I can't hear it. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
That is one of my favorite moments in the movie. And is it? I guess is uh, this like a director's cut for this movie or something? That that's in, or is it not in none of them? No, no. There's all kinds of different edits of that movie, man. That was one of those. Uh, let's see, decision by committee oh. films at the end of the day that um, you know I would show people edits of the film and and then you know because there were so many people involved, I'd have to sit in these committee decision rooms and you know, ultimately just kind of do what was going to make a lot of other people happy. Um, which, you know, I stand by the film and, I, and I'm really proud of what I ended up doing. I ended up turning that film into basically a, my own love letter to sort of the movies from the 70s that, that I fell in love with, you know, and, um, and I, I, you know, I love what it turned out to be. But it, it is quite different than what it what it started out to be. <laughs> so was that shot like when he skins old girl and then lops her head off? That was that's where that fits in. I'm yeah, curious. yeah. Oh god, yeah. that scene was. I was with it was my my wife and my roommate were watching it with me, and they were both like, "Jesus, <laughs> yeah, yeah." It 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 holds up, man. It holds up. Thank you, man. That whole scene was a lot longer too. Um, the whole skinning and everything, it was, it was rough, man. It was a rough scene. Like there were some people that in the studio that couldn't watch it. And, uh, and that just made me smile and laugh even harder. Hey, you got, you got the most visceral reaction ever. Yeah. What? Where, uh, where can I find this movie? Cause I'm gonna have to watch it now. Is it on Netflix there or is that too violent for Netflix? I don't know. I honestly don't know where you can see it nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. I don't honestly, need to ask man. where you got it. So. <laughs> I got that where I got everything else, man. <laughs> but um, I guess I'll just look on Amazon or something. Maybe the video store. We actually got a video store in our town, so I'll see if they have it. That'd be cool. If you don't, holler at me and I'll point you in the right direction. <laughs> <All right>. Um, <laughs> I think Cameron probably knows what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I ain't too. Uh, I, I ain't confused. <laughs> I don't think anybody is. We're not going to promote that though, because uh, Cameron uh, take a money motherfucker. But anyways, <clears throat> piracy is wrong. People, wrong. Don't do That's it. Right. That's right. You wouldn't download hey, a car, would you? I, you know what? I ain't going to see a dime from any any of the any of the copies that y'all buy. So I don't really care how you watch it. Just watch it. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. Well, I, guess I might have to bootleg it. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that from like I'm a, I'm a big death metal guy, so I've heard that from a lot of like death metal acts. They're like, I don't care if you buy it, if you borrow it from your friend, if you get it from Pirate Bay. I don't care as long as you listen to it and you enjoy it. Good, I've done my job for the day. You know, yeah, just get, help get it out in the world further. That movie took a couple of years to find an audience because. Uh, you know, at first everybody was like, oh, who the fuck does George Romero's son think he is? He thinks daddy can whatever and whatever. And, you know, that was not the case, actually, with anything in my entire life. And so I worked my ass off on that. And I think I think a lot of people finally realized that. And uh, it found its own audience a couple of years after it came out. And uh, I, I get a lot of messages about that film, people loving it and, and realizing, you know, what I was trying to do and really liking it for what it is. And it warms my heart, you know? 
So I put a lot of me into that. Well, I will, I'll probably be messaging you as I watch it. Like, what the fuck were you thinking? No. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Please do. If you have Twitter, I'll live tweet while watching it. Or I can do it on Facebook, <laughs> too. It don't matter where I do it. But, yeah. It's brutal. I'll add you to the – because we got a Tennessee Horror News group. I don't think I've added you to it. but Because it seems like the pages don't – you don't get notifications like the groups do. So. Yeah. I'll add you to the Tennessee Horror News group so you can see what we do post. But yeah. So um, besides directing and making movies, what do you enjoy watching? Anything I can get my hands on, man. I've devoured movies since I was uh, much too young to watch a lot of the movies I was watching. Um, I like anything that uh, I like anything that I can really feel the filmmaker's presence when I watch it. Are you um, are you a big fan of the Little Mermaid then? Uh, the Little Mermaid, I am actually uh, the, <laughs> the little crabby guy. Um, yeah, yeah, Sebastian? that's right up my alley. Sebastian, there you go. The only thing I know about the <laughs> uh, Little so, Mermaid. So who's the Disney fan on this call? <laughs> well, I had a little sister that would watch. No, nah, shut the fuck up. Hey, but my favorite movie of cartoon movie is the Goofy the Goofy movie. I love. Oh yeah, movie. yeah, I love that movie. I love a lot of that old shit, man. I really do. I, I literally, I do. You know, I'm not bagging on anything. I, <clears throat> I love all films. You know, even bad movies, man. Like even movies that that the world hates, I can find something redeeming in them. Well, you should you know? check. It. You um, should check out Morbid. I, that's why I don't think I could be a, a good movie critic because I always look for the good in a movie. I try to really look like, oh, well, this is a low budget movie. It's not going to be as good as, you know. I always try to find. So, I don't know. That's like a local director we know made a movie called Morbid. He spent 500 bucks on that movie. $500, uh, pretty and much a Did no- a full feature film, and he got a release on it. He has a Play-Doh yeah. dildo in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he made the I saw, I saw one of these big-budget pieces of garbage years and years and years <laughs> ago with big names in it, and um, it, was a, it was a piece of garbage. I'm not going to name the film because I'm talking shit on it. But I will say this. Um, there's a shot in this movie that I, I'm not going to be happy until I can figure out how to achieve something of that epic scale in my own career. There's a, a, a shot where this, this guy gets shot off the roof of this building, and uh, the cameraman literally jumps off the building with the stunt guy and had a harness around him and, and followed the guy from the roof of the building down to literally just before they cut out, uh, just before he impacts the, the, the ground at the bottom, or I think he landed on a cop car or something like that. And, um, and the shot just follows this guy down through his whole fall. And uh, first of all, the cameraman's got balls of steel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm trying to picture the <laughs> scene. I guess this is before the days of uh, drones, too, right? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and, and, you know, the shot itself is just the, the, the ability for him to keep it in frame, keep it yeah, in focus, everything. I mean, it was a technological marvel for me. And, Did um, you figure out his name so you can ask him myself? Yeah, oh, yeah, I find all of them. I, I track down a lot of those guys. Um, you know, in fact, that's how I met um, literally my cinematography hero and, and mentor, a guy named Shane Hurlbut, who's going to be shooting uh, Rise with me. Um, it was epic. I mean, he's an epic cinematographer and, uh, he was judging this competition 
years ago that a, that a camera company was putting on. And so I combed through the rules to make sure that it was okay for me to enter since I was technically, you know, earning a living as a filmmaker. And I guess that qualifies you as a pro in the eyes of some of these yeah. competitions. And so I, you know, I, I, I did my digging and did my research and found out I was free and clear to enter this thing. And I went out and I made this little short film just to, you know, I figured what the hell, man, you know, I, I, there's no way I'm going to win, but, at least this guy who I've looked up to as a cinematographer for how many years of my life is going to be contractually obligated to watch my work. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and that's what happened. And, and he and I became friends and he messaged me and said he liked it. And, and I said, well, will you meet me for a burger? And, and we met and, and talked and, and the rest is, is history. And we've been friends ever since. And I mean, a 15 minute conversation with this guy and you learn more than, and, you know, two years of film school, and, and you know, it's it's amazing. It's it's. Did you tell him that story though? Oh yeah. When you first met him, like, hey, dude, I was kind of stalking you, so I made it to where you had to watch my stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I did. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm 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 not known for for you know hiding <laughs> <laughs> hiding my my feelings or emotions. <laughs> I'm pretty, and I'm not known for my bullshit either. So, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty straightforward. Well, hell yeah. but, uh, I know yeah, I've seen your credits that you've done some short films. So uh, are they on YouTube or something so we can check out? Yeah, they're around. Um, you know, they might be. I think they were on my old website, actually. I'm, I just launched a new one for Romero Pictures. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I put them on there yet. Uh, I'm eventually going to get that stuff back out there. Um, but I guarantee you, if you search for it, you'll find it. Okay. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, shorts are tough because, you know, when you, you know, um, what was it that Orson Welles said? You know, uh, a writer needs a pen, uh, an artist needs a, a painter needs a brush and a filmmaker needs an army. Um, That's true. you know, it's, it's, uh, shorts are, are, are a tough, tough animal to crack. You know, they're, they're amazing but I guess learning grounds for filmmakers, but. You know, they still require money to do them, even if that money is 500 bucks or even if that money is 15 grand or whatever it is, you know, depending on your, your concept scale. And when you go out and you ask people to borrow money for shorts, I mean, it's really hard to explain to them how you're going to give it back to them. And, um, do you make money back from shorts? Uh, no, no, not really. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing about a short film, though, is, is maybe it'll catch on and become a feature film, kind of correct? Like Lights Out did, which they did terrible after. But is short, that not... short is so much better than the feature. But is that not what the short film would be for? Mm, I don't know. No? I think there's some cases where that's that's the hope. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's really the motivation for, for a lot of people to make them. I think a lot of oh, people okay. just make them because they got to... You know, they're trying to prove themselves. They're trying to show the world what they can do. And it and it makes sense because at the end of the day, you can take three or four friends or one friend or two friends and, and a dark room um, and, and make a short film. And that's that's something that's a huge accomplishment, you know. Uh, yeah, and if it, you've never done it before, it's it's a major win. Yeah, also because I guess to get your point across and do it in, what, five, six minutes or ten or whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. And they're beautiful. They're they're amazing uh, art forms. Um, it's just hard to kind of make a business case for them. And 
you know, I like to I, I like to mitigate the risk of my investors as much as humanly possible. You know, what I mean, investing in entertainment is inherently risky, but I like to mitigate that risk as much as humanly possible and and create the best business case I can create for everything that I go out and talk to investors about being a part of. Um, you know, yeah, we in short I, films. It's it's harder to do that with short films. It's harder to say, hey man, I'm going to make this movie and I might get it in some festivals, but uh, I'll never be able to pay you back. But um, uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, what, though, when I when I make a, a feature film, I'll hit you back up. I'll give you, I'll give you executive producer credit. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people do. They'll look at their they'll look at their investors and say, "Look, you know, if it, if you help me do this, and then it launches anything for me, or I get to the next point, I'll give you an equity ownership stake in some project of mine and to say thank you." you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing about the short film side is, well, you know, last year I think, from what I understand, you know, the, sh- sh- the horror short panel we had uh, was the most successful out of all the horror tracks. So that that made me feel amazing knowing the fact that <clears throat> something we did was what the the most successful thing, pretty yeah. much they've done for the horror part. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> that's really cool I just think people are interested in it I mean in watching short films and seeing what new artists are coming up what the new creators they definitely are and, and there's, there's a huge market for it in the festival circuits there's a huge market for it you know and, and now you know honestly with with Vimeo and YouTube and, and all these different ways for, for creators to monetize their content you know even what I'm saying two minutes ago is, is, is less relevant than it was five years ago um, because you can you can make short content and you can put it on Vimeo, and you can charge $0.99 cents to watch it. And a lot of times you will make your money back, and a lot of times you'll even make a profit. And, you know, I mean, that's what's kind of beautiful about where we're going in terms of this kind of massive distribution, uh, you know, the sort of mesh of, of Internet distribution that is, is becoming huge. You know, it's, it's, it's allowing for people to self-market, self-distribute, um, raise awareness by themselves for their own projects, and um, and and really do something great for their careers through through a medium that prior and leading up to these recent years has really just been about recognition more about more than about making money. And, uh, and I think it's cool because you know I think the most important thing that a lot of filmmakers don't realize is that if you want to be a filmmaker, you have to be an entrepreneur, and if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be a good businessman. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think they go hand in hand, especially more now today than ever. Um, so that's kind of where I stand on that, you know what I mean? And it's an exciting time to be a filmmaker. Yeti? Um, man, I'm, every, everything else I had is pretty much covered. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cool. Really. Awesome. Well, hell yeah, man. Listen, man, I really like what you guys do. I think you guys are great. If you know, anytime you want to talk, just, you know, hit me up. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be formal all the time. Um, you know, if you want me to you know, write anything for you or anything like that in terms of answers or do any, you know, forums or anything like that, question and answers or, or stuff like that, I, I'm happy to do it for you guys. You guys are awesome. Hell yeah, man. We appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's amazing. Uh, well, maybe one day you just come on the podcast and just bullshit with us. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, man. Seriously, anytime. Don't hesitate. 
All right, cool, man. Appreciate that, Cameron. If you heard our uh, yeah. any of our other ones where we don't have a guest or nothing, we usually just veer off into everything else. Right, Johnny? No worries, oh, yeah. Man. Especially wrestling. Nuts. Anyways. <laughs> well, all right, then. <laughs> Count me in. Hell, yeah. Well, we appreciate it, man. I'm glad, um, can't wait to, to hear more news on yeah, uh, what's coming out. Yeah. You know, if you want to. Yeah, do man. It. Well, I, I appreciate you guys very much, man. And, and, <laughs> what, what were you saying, Yeti? We all look good by comparison. It's all, it's all gravy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny makes me look, well, no, Johnny makes me look bad. I look bad. It don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's usually an asshole to me. He was actually kind of sweet today. Well, I'm listening to the stories. <laughs> Yeah. Cameron don't tell bullshit stories. He don't I have appreciate it, Cameron. You kept him off my back for today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I appreciate you all very much, man. Thank you so much. Thank all you. Right. You have a good night. Yeah, Cameron. Appreciate it. Right, you do the same. See you guys. See ya. All right, guys. So that was Cameron Romero. Amazing dude. Oh, yeah. like, straight up. Oh, shit. Well, you going to correct me? Yeah, she was going to correct you on a lot of stuff. But anyways, so people love me the way Cameron I Romero, an amazing <laughs> guy, uh, got a lot of information out of him. Yeah, on, uh, quite a bit of things on how he Try how he works and how he off. Well, but like you said, you know, I think he'll still do stuff for us or give us stuff to yeah. release. Hopefully, as long as we keep in contact. And like Yeti said, he'd be more than happy to write that shit up. <laughs> oh yeah, in a heartbeat. I give my wife high yeah. high anxiety apparently. Now you know how I feel. Your kids give me high anxiety. <laughs> Not prepared. So, why do I need to be prepared when we got Johnny and Yeti? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. She don't understand. We're never prepared. No. Oh like that one part. This is you how on, every interview goes. Hey, I'm gonna take a picture of the notes she wrote down oh, and send okay, to you, okay. Yeti. This is like horror. Okay. Oh, shit. Is that, that was awesome. Like hey, hey. I'm hey. going to get the hell off here. All right, man. And, uh, All right, see you, Yeti. Appreciate you coming you on, man. Hey, man, this was, this was tops, man. It was great. Oh, yeah. This, it was a good time. Oh, uh, yeah. We appreciate it, we'll man. We'll again soon. All right, man. We'll holler at you. See you, bro. All right. Yeah, guys, so amazing interview. Um, like we say all the time, Check this out on Scurry Face, Scurry Face Radio, ScurryFace.com, S-C-U-R-R-Y Face, Scurry. Y Face. Yeah, well, S-C-U-R-R-Y Face. Right? Yeah. I'm just spelling it out because it's Scurry, not scary. And uh, from 8, no, is it 9 to 10? 9 to 10. 9 to 10 every day, a.m., not p.m. As long p. as I get this to them before Monday. Yeah, well. Which I usually do. And uh, <clears throat> also on all the other social medias, hit us up, follow us, like us. Comment on us. Faux shizzle. And, um, yeah. I guess that's all we got. We out. Peace. Amy, you want to say anything? Nuggets. 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 Maggots or nuggets? Nuggets. Nuggets. She, she said maggots. <laughs> Why are you saying maggots? I said nuggets. It's not like you're saying maggots. Nuggets. Okay. Nuggets. But we appreciate it. That's all we got. We out. Peace.